Ricard Raquel is the fourth leading scorer on his team. And yet, he is the team's MVP. I say anyway. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins versus Islanders. Tonight in Elmont, New York. That's a 7.38 p.m. face-off. The four-day Christmas break is over. Effective the morning skate that'll be had. And even though... 33 games doesn't make for much of a milepost. I'm going to go right ahead and name Raquel, this team's MVP to date. Now, you didn't ask what MVP stood for before you started barking at your podcast player. And I'm going to say that it's most visible player as opposed to most valuable. Now, you can make all kinds of arguments against that as well. But here's what I love about Raquel's contributions to this season to date. He's everywhere. He's on everything. And more often than not, he wins whatever battle it is that he happens to take on. I'm pretty sure that your Pittsburgh Penguins don't have another player who's quite like that, where he can step into any situation a certain battle along the boards, uh, a three-on-two rush that he'll come back to quash, a three-on-two rush in the other direction that he'll lead or he'll spearhead with a sharp pass or pull the goalie his way because they respect that he's a threat from long range with that ridiculous rising wrister of his. And that's to say nothing of his having stepped onto the first power play taking Brian Rust's place and establishing something of a presence on the left half wall. I don't feel he's been utilized in that very, very specific role enough, but I do know that he's way more prone to go through the crease, go through as a hockey coach's term. It just means get get all that bad stuff, go in there, okay? He, he's more likely to go through and get to the crease, uh, get to those pucks that are on the edges if the point shots miss the net, than maybe anybody else on the team. And that alone has made one of, if, if not necessarily the, principal difference between when this power play could do nothing and now when it's killing opponents. Oh, and another thing. He kind of rose up a little bit. Onto the first line. Remember when we all thought that wasn't going to happen? Being honest with you, that aspect alone has impressed me more than all the rest combined. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Old school line combination formation has a couple of guys who love to score, who will cheat up, who will get that home run pass, um, who will create a two-on-one or even breakaways just by kind of cherry-picking out by center red. And then the third guy will be, and I say this with immense respect to my good friend, Bob Airy, 
they'll be the role that that Bobby played when he was on the rink. He'd be out there with Mario Lemieux and and Robbie Brown, and he knew what they wanted to do, and he also knew that he had to take care of the other end. He was the high forward back. Well, in the Mike Sullivan system, whoever happens to be in the best position to be the high forward back is the high forward back. So what you really need are all three guys to be wound that way. No, you don't want Sid to be doing the bulk of the dirty work, but you've seen that Sid will do the dirty work, and he'll do so willingly, enthusiastically, and effectively. But what you really, really need up there is someone who can make things happen at both ends that minimizes the amount of uh, toil that Sid or Jake has to do while also fitting in. And that was the part that I wasn't sure. I've learned not to doubt anything about Raquel since he's gotten here. But I really didn't know if he was going to be the one who'd fit on what's always been a grinding line. There's a reason why that third forward who's been there with Sid and Jake, whether it was Connor Sherry, whether it was Brian Rust, was always the grinding type. You could go back further. You could get into Chris Kunitz, Pascal Dupuis. Sid has always needed people who will play that game with him. He feasts off wearing down opponents five on five, and he does that almost entirely along the boards. And even though I liked Raquel's game along the boards from the moment he got here, I didn't see that in him. I saw him instead spending a whole lot more time in the more perilous middle of the offensive zone. There's a magnetic pull with Raquel taking him to the net. And this is not exactly a negative trait. And this was something that I really, really, really hoped that Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff would stick out. And that also means, by the way, making sure that Sid himself sticks it out and shows patience. And as this line, the five-on-five line, Sid, Jake, and Raquel have continued to mature, you have seen a little bit of give and take in both directions. Raquel does now take himself over to the boards more. He is involved in sustaining the attack, doing the things that both Sid and Jake want him to do. But then, like this, he makes himself available for a play that counts. You know, the kill shot. And this line hasn't had that. Oh, wait, no, hang on. I'm going to take this even further back. This this captain, this living legend who centers this first line, hasn't had many players over the course of his magnificent career who've been that individual who just goes to the net like a shark and finishes. Patrick Hornquist wasn't going to be that guy, although you'll recall that Sullivan would enjoy, openly, publicly enjoy, putting Hornquist on that line when he felt the line needed that jolt. Remember he used to talk about that? But if you go way, way, way back, and Sid does this himself, you know who he'll bring up? Marian Hosa. For real. And that's why, because Hosa was that guy who could do both. He'd get along the boards, he'd battle and dig, and Sid loved that, and Sid would get it back to Hosa. But at some point or other, generally sooner rather than later, Hosa would, as we'd see over his own outstanding career, 
find a way to take the play to where it counts. That's what we're seeing from Raquel. It's such a wonderful addition. He is such a wonderful addition to this hockey team. When we come back, J1Q. comes from Sammy, who apparently had a really rotten Christmas. He couldn't even form a question with this one. Sammy just says, no youth, same stubborn Sully, terrible GM, all add up to a clunky ending coming up soon. And you know what? I'm not here to pick on Sammy, although I did pick his entry out. (laughs) Because why not, right? I'm instead here to underscore that there is a lot of this fan base that isn't going to get over anything related to these past four playoff exits until there's a different script in front of their faces. To an extent, I understand that, but not to the full extent. There's so much more to this game. There's so much more to this team. And for that matter, there's so much more to analyzing what happened retroactively. If that's your thing. Now, Our man Sam woke up with a big, not just a lump of coal, but like an entire West Virginia slag heap in his stocking. And I'm genuinely hoping for better days ahead for Sam. I really am. But the fact of the matter is, outside of the first couple of playoff exits, these first round playoff exits, it was pretty obvious what happened. And obvious to anyone who has even the most rudimentary understanding of hockey. You can't win without goaltending. You can't win when your young starting NHL goaltender completely craps out like Tristan Jari did a couple years ago. And you certainly can't win with an AHL goaltender when your top two NHL guys go down. This isn't all that complex. It makes you unhappy. You can go slam your forehead into a cement wall over it, but it doesn't change what actually occurred. And that's where I prefer to keep these things. Yeah, I get it's emotional. No one likes seeing their team lose. No one likes having their hopes raised. So what happens in a lot of cases is people like my man Sam here, they go into the situation setting themselves up for the absolute worst. The Penguins could rattle off 20 wins in a row and Sam is going to sit there and say, I will not allow my hopes to be raised. I am going to sit over here and put my chin between my knees and pout until the inevitable occurs in May or whenever. Because it's a defense mechanism. And am I getting too psychological on everybody here? But this is, this is actually what this is. And if it's a sports show, we can talk about sports fandom, right? Or sports psychology, because that's what this is. You're telling yourself, I don't care if they lose. I expect them to lose. So you go in armed for defeat. And your life isn't going to change at all if and when they lose. Well, I have some bad news for you, Sam. This hockey team's pretty good. And it's only a couple of moves away from being a lot better than pretty good. I don't envy Ron Hextall in trying to figure out how to navigate around the salary cap to eliminate 
Brian Dumoulin from having to go onto the ice night after night after night. I don't envy Hextall in having to find some kind of way to work around the Jeff Carter problem and the third line problem. Maybe there's a way to minimize the damage that Carter does, especially in the defensive zone, by just relegating him to the wing and using someone else at center. Maybe Ryan Paling. If you can't have a third line that scores enough, and I don't know that this one will, then you might as well have two lines that are just in your face making life hell for you all night long. That's not going to be one with Carter on it. But you look at the rest of this roster, the rest of this lineup, the trajectory of what we've seen from some of these players, uh, not least of which is the guy I just spent the entire opening segment on, and you're seeing some positive developments here. They're positive, Sam. It's okay to do that. If and when they lose, it'll still just be a hockey team losing a hockey game or a hockey series. No reason to build up any psychological barriers or whatever to protect yourself from the incoming storm. Let's do this again tomorrow. Tomorrow.